0: You're listening to American Songcatcher, tracing the roots of American music from its cultured past to today's artists playing it forward. I'm folk musician Nicholas Edward Williams. From the late 1920s through most of the 1930s, the deep Appalachian hollows of southwestern Virginia offered little comfort from the hardships and challenges that faced the U.S. The Great Depression took a devastating toll on many families, especially those already feeling the negative effects of industrialization from decades prior. Much of Appalachia's lush forests had been logged by timber companies, and many farmers were forced off their land to make room for coal mines or abandoned their farms entirely, seeking mining or logging work. Many people turned to bootlegging moonshine, while most turned to religion and music to ease their minds from the burdens of the Depression, offering comfort through Sunday sermons and sacred music. Sounds of fiddlers and banjo players could be heard singing across the hills from under a tree, on front porches, at barn dances, and most anywhere that people gathered. Many of these songs were iterations of traditional ballads, such as Pretty Polly, Barbara Allen, The Cuckoo Bird, Omi Wise, and countless other lesser-known and localized songs passed in the oral tradition. Several Virginia mountain musicians from this time period would go on to become among the most prolific voices in Roots music, such as the Carter Family from Scott County, Virginia, banjoist Doc Boggs from Norton, Virginia, and Ralph Stanley from Dickinson County, Virginia known as The Man with the Hundred-Year-Old Voice.
1: Children go where I send thee. Oh, Lordy. How will I send thee oh, I'm gonna send thee one by one, for the one was a little bitty baby. Born, children born in
0: Bethlehem. Ralph Edmund Stanley was born February twenty-fifth, 1927, in a community known as Big Sprattle Creek, Big Sprattle was a small logging town where Ralph's father, Lee, owned a sawmill. When Ralph was very young, the Stanleys moved just a few miles down the mountain to Smith Ridge on 65 acres, where his mother, Lucy, grew up. His older brother, Carter, was his best friend growing up. Ralph and Carter went to school and tended to cattle and hogs, raising corn, tobacco, hay, and a vegetable garden. They peddled surplus produce to workers in nearby lumber camps or sometimes earned extra cash by running moonshine for their uncle. According to Ralph, quote, There was no shame in it. You had to make a living some way. You had to survive. Ralph first began singing in church. As he stated in his autobiography, Man of Constant Sorrow, my life and times. The primitive Baptists are different. They don't allow musical instruments whatsoever. They sing the old Baptist hymns, the old time way, acapella style, just the voices alone. It's more sad, and it's more mournful. One Sunday morning, when he was seven years old, his father encouraged him to lead the congregation with, salvation, O oh, the name I love. Naturally shy and introverted, he was terrified. But when the congregation boomed those verses back, Something shifted. He later credited that moment to his development as a musician, saying, I learned that you could be afraid and still get the job done. It's helped me a lot in my life because I've been scared many a time since that Sunday morning, and I've never let it stop me. When they weren't going to school or working, Ralph and Carter could be found singing harmonies and playing music together. In addition to the hymns at church, the boys were influenced by their father, Lee, who could often be heard singing traditional mountain ballads around the house that he picked up from his work at the timber fields and logging camps, songs such as The House Carpenter, Wild Bill Jones, and The Brown Girl. According to Ralph, his father had a quote, real old time lonesome voice, down to earth, like he dug it right out of one of these mountains. Far back as I can remember, I'd lay awake in my room at night listening to my dad sing alone out on the porch after a long day at the sawmill, moaning, I am a man of constant sorrow to himself in the dark. I am a
1: man of constant sorrow, I have seen trouble all my days.
0: Although Ralph's mother Lucy didn't sing outside of church, she encouraged her sons to play musical instruments. She was a banjo player, and as a young woman, often played at barn dances and other social gatherings in the area. When Ralph turned 11, Lucy taught him clawhammer style banjo, and the first tune that he learned from her was called Shout Little Louie, or Shout Lula, a song which Ralph helped preserve, and he became well-known for later in life. Ralph got good enough that he needed his own banjo. The story he told was that his aunt lived about a mile away, raising hogs. The sow, or the mother pig, had a herd of children. As Ralph recalled, Well, the pigs were real pretty, and I was going to high school, and I was taking agriculture in school, and I sort of got the notion that I'd like to do that, raise some hogs. And so my aunt had this old banjo, and my mother told me, which do you want, the pig or a banjo? And each one of them's $5. I said, I'll just take the banjo. Oh, the
1: wonder, the so...
0: While Ralph was learning banjo, his brother Carter was learning how to play the guitar, an instrument that was considered a novelty in the mountains at this time. Lucy did her best to nurture their penchant for performing, which strengthened the bond between the two brothers. According to Ralph, she was the first booster we ever had. I think she was planting a seed, same as she did in her garden. She would drop comments, sort of dreamy-like. Someday, I'd like to see you boys broadcasting on the radio. Now, wouldn't that be something? The Family Radio also provided Ralph and Carter a plethora of inspiration. They'd often split wood while listening to the Grand Old Opry Radio, discovering early country musicians such as Roy Acuff, Fiddle Arthur Smith, Uncle Dave Macon, and in particular, the Monroe Brothers. ¶¶ Additionally, their parents' record collection had the Carter family, Grayson and Whittier, and Fiddle and Powers and family, all of whom came from less than hundred miles away. They sounded familiar, coming from the same rural, religious, family-oriented background and facing the same challenges and joys that came with life in the mountains, all of which could be found in their songs.
1: The church in the valley, by the water.
0: Ralph and Carter would spend their free time talking about broadcasting their own music on the radio and got comfortable enough with the idea to start performing. They'd play events for corn chucking, taffy, and bean polling, and oftentimes in neighboring coal towns. They'd stand on the street corner playing for miners who had just gotten paid, earning upwards of $25 to $30 in a day, which is over $300 in today's money. When Ralph was 12 years old, their father left and started another family with a younger woman. He didn't say a word to me and Carter, Ralph stated. All I know is, one day he was with us, and the next he was gone. For Carter and me, just hitting our teen years, it was rough. Though they kept in touch with him through adulthood, their relationship was never fully healed, and it had a deep impact on their mother, Lucy. Her first two husbands had died prematurely, and after being abandoned, she felt she'd lose all men who came into her life. One of her friends who lived a county over as a fortune teller told her during a card reading that she would lose one of her sons before she died. Ralph paid little attention to the prediction, but Lucy would ruminate over it for the next few decades. Throughout their teens, Ralph and Carter dove deeper into music. Ralph honed in on high and lonesome tenor vocals and began developing his own signature style of banjo, which fell somewhere between traditional claw hammer style and the three-finger style that would soon be pioneered by Earl Scruggs. They began closely following Bill Monroe after seeing him perform at a local high school. It was their first concert, and Bill seemed larger than life, live and in person, in their hometown. Ralph later said, When your daddy ain't around no more, you need a hero, somebody to look up to. And that night, Bill became ours. We decided that someday we'd tear up the crowd the way that Bill and the Bluegrass Boys did. After that show, they felt a genuine calling to make a name for themselves. So they started competing in local string band competitions and even during intermission for plays at their high school. In 1941, when Ralph was 14 and Carter was 16, the two brothers made their first radio appearance on a Saturday morning radio comedy show called The Barrel of Fun Broadcast from Elizabethton, Tennessee. For the next few years, Ralph and Carter continued to perform around southwestern Virginia, eastern Kentucky, and southern West Virginia, modeling their style after Bill Monroe.
1: The elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe and security for ourselves in a free world.
0: At the tail end of World War II, just as their musical hopes were looking up, both Carter and Ralph were drafted. Carter went first into the Air Force in 1944 as a tail gunner, and Ralph went into the Army Infantry a year later. While stationed in Germany, Ralph bought a banjo and would often play in his bunk late at night when he felt homesick. One night, two of his commanding officers knocked on the door and wanted to speak with him about the banjo playing. Ralph was surprised to hear that they were intrigued. He recalled, for these officers, a banjo was something different, especially the backwoods way that I played it. A few days later, Ralph was promoted to work in the mailroom instead of the infantry where his captain and lieutenant colonel would often stop by and request songs like Shout Little Lully," Shady Grove, and Cripple Creek. Being in the Army gave Ralph confidence, and the fact that his officers loved mountain music only strengthened the idea of making a living with it. After refusing officer training school, He was discharged in 1946 and made his way back to Virginia. Carter had returned home just a few months before and started playing in a group led by Roy Sykes called the Blue Ridge Mountain Boys. When he and their father went to pick Ralph up at the Greyhound Station in Bristol, Virginia, he told Ralph that they were performing on the radio that same day and asked him to tag along and play banjo. So he did. His first day home marked the beginning of his career as a professional musician and he stayed with Sykes and the Blue Ridge Boys for about three weeks until one day when he proposed an idea to Carter to form their own bluegrass band.
1: I wandered again Through my home
0: According to Ralph, I didn't want to work in another man's band. I wanted to have my own band with Carter, like the way we'd always planned it. I wanted to find out if I could do that. So for me, it was now or never. That's just the way I was at that age, stubborn as an old meal. In 1946, they began booking shows as the Stanley Brothers, backed by a band that they called the Clinch Mountain Boys, named after the mountain range that runs through Northeast Tennessee and Southwestern Virginia. Almost immediately, the Stanley Brothers and the Clinch Mountain Boys landed their own daily program on WNVA, an AM radio station based out of Norton, Virginia. Each morning at 7 a.m., The Stanley Brothers and the Clinch Mountain Boys could be heard across the airwaves of southern Virginia and eastern Kentucky. Soon after, they heard about a new radio station in Bristol called WCYB. One of the many post-war radio stations To regularly play country music Well
1: a big much obliged to you And howdy everybody along the party line It's good to be around today on Farm and Fun Time With the Sausman Brothers and all the Green Valley Boys Got a few tunes you'll enjoy maybe Kind of stick around, turn up the radio And call in the kiddies and let's all get together And have some fun today Come girl, let's go get married I love you so great How can you slide me I'll work for you Both late and early and my waiting, little wife, you'll
0: be. In early 1947, WCYB was in the process of producing a live radio program called Farm and Fun Time that would feature country musicians from around the region, broadcasting not only to southern Virginia and eastern Kentucky, but eastern Tennessee and western North Carolina as well. Back then, that was pretty much the whole world as far as we were concerned, Ralph said. They auditioned and landed a regular spot on Farm and Fun Time quickly becoming audience favorites.
1: Right on with Farming Fun Time, friends and neighbors, right here's a number that round and me, introduced us lately on WCYB, and it seems like a lot of folks enjoy it everywhere. Hope you like it today, it's
0: called Our Darlings Gone. Although they never saw a paycheck from WCYB, they gained several sponsors, including General Mills and White Lily Flower, though they didn't get paid by them either. They did receive great exposure, and quickly became well-known radio personalities and household names for families all throughout southern Appalachia. Ralph recalled the piles of fan mail that poured into the radio station, requesting that the Stanley Brothers play at various venues, such as schools, churches, theaters, and even minors' union halls. It's been said that WCYB made the Stanley Brothers, said Ralph. But we made WCYB as much as WCYB made us. Frequent radio appearances and booking inquiries required more traveling from the hills of Southwest Virginia. So, along with their mother Lucy, the Stanley Brothers relocated to downtown Bristol. Known as the birthplace of country music, the city was widely acknowledged due to the Bristol Sessions, which happened the same year that Ralph was born, in 1927. Victor Talking Machine and Victor Records scout Ralph Peer had auditions with then unknown rural musicians that would become pioneers, such as the Carter family and Jimmy Rogers. Those recordings would change the course of country music forever. Once I had
1: a sweet heart. A
0: This change in scenery was a stark yet exciting contrast for the family, and Ralph recalled those years fondly in his memoir. Everything was new to us then, and when you're young and in a new place, things seem more comical. And when you're from the country and you live in town for the first time, you see things that you haven't seen before. Bristol is centrally located in the foothills of southern Appalachia, and as bookings continued to roll in, that jumping point allowed the Stanley brothers to travel to Tennessee and North Carolina just as easily as they could travel to Kentucky or West Virginia as their fan base grew across the region the stanley brothers decided that it was time to start making records of their own keep all of his
1: I'll keep his gold and i'll
0: Hey folks, I just wanted to remind you that this program is entirely independent and relies strictly on donations and Patreon support to continue forward. We're trying to make Season 3 a big one. And if you would like to support this venture, please visit patreon.com slash americansongcatcher or you can send a one-time donation at americansongcatcher via Venmo or PayPal. You can also find those linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support. Now, back to the program. You're listening to American Songcatcher.
1: I'm just a Roman rambler. I'm always
0: on the road. About 25 miles south in Johnson City, Tennessee, they cut their first tracks with rich R-tone records. The owner would then travel far and wide to sell the records out of his 1939 Oldsmobile but most of the artists who recorded with him didn't find much commercial success, and they were never paid for the records sold. Although that business relationship was also less than ideal, Ralph and Carter spent two years with Rich Artone Records, seeking to gain as much exposure as possible. And that paid off in 1949, when they caught the attention of Columbia Records, one of the biggest major labels of the day. they were often compared to the father of bluegrass bill Monroe ralph always insisted that they weren't playing bluegrass music that it was the stanley sound old time country music to the untrained eye and ear they dressed like bill in their matching suits and incorporated old mournful ballads blazing fiddle solos cascading banjo licks and high lonesome tenor harmonies it got to a point where a debate ensued amongst fans of bluegrass and old time country over who was the better act Bill Monroe and his Bluegrass Boys were the Stanley Brothers and the Clinch Mountain Boys. A bitter rivalry developed between the Stanley Brothers and Bill Monroe as well as other bluegrass musicians formerly associated with Bill. When they were with the Farm and Fun time, the Stanley brothers incorporated songs by the duo Flat and Scruggs, whose founding members, Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs, were two very influential members of Bill Monroe's Bluegrass Boys. One day, Ralph and Carter were standing in front of the WCYB studio in downtown Bristol, and they saw Lester Flat racing towards them. A verbal confrontation turned to blows between Carter and Lester, and keep in mind, Carter was heavily influenced by Lester Flat, and the two didn't speak for several years afterward. Not long before that incident, Charlie Monroe, Bill's brother and co-founder of the Monroe Brothers, wrote a letter to WCYP stating his disapproval of the Stanley Brothers playing their songs on Farm and Fun Time. Even though they were traditional songs, the Stanley Brothers agreed not to perform them.
1: Oh, run, oh, like Rajaninson. Rajaninson,
0: Lord, and back in 1948, the Stanley Brothers had recorded a traditional tune that they learned from Bill Monroe early on, called Molly and Ten Brooks, which you're hearing now. And it came out one year before Bill released it on Columbia Records. He was furious and thought the Stanley Brothers were ripping him off. Matters got even worse when they signed with Columbia Records the next year, where Bill had made a home for several years. He dropped out of his contract with Columbia right away. And signed with Decca Records, where he stayed for decades afterwards. Ralph later said, We was just so excited by Bill's music, we couldn't help but emulate him early on, being so young and impressionable. But we found out right fast, it wasn't no good to copy anybody, not even Bill. From then on, we didn't fool much with anybody else's material.
1: I stand on the corner with a low down blues, a great big hole in the bottom of my shoe.
0: they weren't the only ones to copy Bill Monroe. Lester Flatt and Earl Scruggs also squabbled with Bill in the late 1940s over the bluegrass sound, despite the fact that Earl Scruggs' banjo style was foundational to the genre. When they left the bluegrass boys in 1948, reportedly for family and financial reasons, though they soon formed their own group, Flatt and Scruggs, Bill used his influence to keep them out of the Grand Ole Opry for several years and refused to speak to them, all the way up until when they split in 1969. ¶¶
1: By 1950,
0: the near-constant touring schedule began to take a toll on both of the Stanley Brothers. Ralph began to feel ragged and worn down, and Carter coped with the pressures of touring and performing by drinking. Adding to their exhaustion, record sales for bluegrass music overall were beginning to dip making it less likely for record companies to renew their contracts.
1: In Korea, United Nations troops push on in the cautious advance against the communists. An advance whose purpose, General Ridgway states, is not to seize ground, but to wipe out the enemy.
0: After the onset of the Korean War, several members of the Clinch Mountain Boys were drafted into the military in 1951. The following year, the Stanley Brothers were dropped by Columbia, Ralph decided it was time to take a short hiatus from the Stanley Brothers and went back home to Smith Ridge to try his hand at farming, which he always assumed that he'd do if music didn't work out. As it turned out, farm work proved to be too difficult, so he found work in Michigan, working at the Ford Motor Company factory, only to realize that he wasn't cut out for factory work either. Now that he
1: used to work with me on the grand Ole Opry, a wonderful feller, made one of as good a bluegrass boys as I ever I had in my life, could really handle that get turned stood right in beside of me. And uh, we're glad to have him here today. He's done, been out and done his program, but he's going to do a couple of numbers with me. We've had a lot of requests for one called uh, Sugar Coated Love. And his name is Carter Stanley. Let's give him a nice hand today. What do you say?
0: Meanwhile, in the early 1950s, Bill Monroe was looking for a replacement for Jimmy Martin as a lead singer. And he felt that Carter Stanley was the right man for the job. Despite their grievances, and perhaps because Bill came to an understanding that he wasn't the gatekeeper of bluegrass anymore, peace was made between them, and they became close friends. Then, in the summer of 1953, Bill's banjo player was called into the service, and Ralph agreed to play with Bill temporarily until he found another banjo player, ending his musical hiatus. I knew, as tired as I was of the road, I missed music too bad to give it up for good, he said.
1: On a dark stormy night
0: After playing a few shows with Bill Monroe, Ralph once again came to his brother with a proposition to strike out on their own, just as he did 15 years prior. They rebuilt the Clinch Mountain Boys from the ground up, and in 1953, the Stanley Brothers were picked up by another major label, Mercury Records. For the next five years there, they would revitalize and revamp their signature Stanley sound, cutting classics like Memories of Mother and The Weary Heart You Stole Away. Just when it seemed like record sales for the Stanley Brothers were about to catch a second wind, an unexpected turn of events caused record sales to drop once again. As Ralph recalled, So here we are, all of us 30 years old, and making the best music we'd ever made. It's the same old story. You're young and you're on fire, and you think nothing can stop you. Of course, something always does. For us, it was Elvis and rock and roll.
1: As a great philosopher once said,
0: Elvis Presley took America by storm. When he covered Bill Monroe's Blue Moon of Kentucky in 1954, bluegrass and old-time communities started to wonder if rock and roll was more than just a fad. But after two decades of popular success, bluegrass and old-time country music became a thing of the past, seemingly overnight, when Elvis appeared on The Ed Sullivan Show in 1956. America's youth began to crave this new and invigorating style of music called rock and roll pushing nearly all other record sales off the charts and out of the airwaves, especially traditional music. That's when the word hillbilly started to hurt business, Ralph said. Record sales plummeted for the Stanley Brothers, and Mercury did not renew their contract in 1958 forcing Ralph and Carter to go back to the drawing board yet again. They were left with no other choice than to go back to Farm and Fun Time, which was still not a paying gig. But that year, their luck would change. So here they are with
1: a very beautiful number. We're going to paint the town. So let's give them a hand and welcome the Stanley Brothers and the
0: Boys. In November of 1958, they received a call from WNER, a television station in Live Oak, Florida, that produced the Saturday night show The Suwannee River Jamboree the Deep South's country music show. Ralph and Carter jumped at the opportunity. We figured we'd wore out our welcome in Bristol, Ralph said, so we just up and moved south to see what we could do in the Sunshine State. The Stanley Brothers seemed like the perfect act to both fulfill expectations and offer a fresh perspective of old-time country music compared to what audiences heard previously. Within a few months, sponsors from all over Florida were knocking. And unlike in Bristol, these ones paid a steady salary. The opportunity breathed life into their career for the next few years, performing a regular circuit around Jacksonville, Tampa, Orlando, and Fort Myers, eventually leading to tours with country music legend George Jones. In this In the early 1960s, the biggest sponsor of the Swanee River Jamboree came into financial trouble and had to pull their sponsorship from the show. So, the Stanley brothers had to go back on the road. Had to go back on the road, chasing paychecks. They struggled with constant touring, unable to even pay for fiddle accompaniment, and just scraping by. To make matters worse, Carter was increasingly dependent on alcohol. But Ralph was tolerant of his brother's drinking, because he knew it was just part of his lifestyle. He'd like to have a drink with the people, Ralph said. He liked to socialize, have a good time, laugh and tell some jokes, and set the dark feelings and worry aside.
1: In the spring of 1966,
0: the Stanley Brothers were asked to perform overseas for the American Folk and Country Music Show along with the New Lost City Ramblers, Roscoe Holcomb, Cousin Emmy, and more. Fans in the U.K., Germany, France, Sweden, Switzerland, and Denmark were eager to hear traditional American music and raved about the Stanley Brothers in particular, though behind the scenes, things got messy. One of the Clinch Mountain Boys was sent home a week into the tour for drunken antics, and Carter was visibly deteriorating. Just two months after their last show at Bill Monroe's Bean Blossom Festival, his health took a drastic turn for the worse. And on December 1st, 1966, Carter Stanley passed away due to complications from cirrhosis of the liver at the age of 41.
1: Oft I sing for my friends
0: Carter's death was a heavy blow to Ralph and their mother, Lucy, who was plagued by that prediction from two decades prior that one of her sons would die before she did. While Ralph grieved the death, he wrestled with the decision to continue playing music as a solo act or to find a new livelihood altogether. Everyone around him assured him that Carter would not have wanted him to give up music. Ralph feared that people wouldn't like him as a frontman as well as they liked Carter. But fan mail began to pour in after Carter's death, with fans offering their condolences to Ralph and encouraging him to keep performing. So, he got back on the horse under his own name. Thinking of you
1: while out around down by a cold frosty stream
0: Though bluegrass and old-time music had been slowly falling out of style with younger audiences since the mid-1950s, By the late 1960s and early 70s, bluegrass was starting to make a comeback, largely thanks to the folk and blues revival. Only this time, it had a more contemporary and progressive twist, as groups blended traditional sounds with hints of jazz, percussion, rock and roll, and psychedelic rock. This was a strange time for bluegrass, Ralph recalled. Hippies started showing up at the festivals. They were long-haired and barefoot. The ones in the crowd, and the ones on stage, too.
1: One morning in Jerusalem, about the break of dawn A great trial was in session They tried a blessing, Lord They the men, they mocked them. They made him carry cross On top of Calvary mountain They crucified my Lord
0: By 1971, Ralph's solo career was in full swing. His record, Cry From the Cross, was a nod to his primitive Baptist roots, featuring all gospel songs, and a supergroup, including Ricky Skaggs, Curly Ray Klein, Roy Lee Centers, Jack Cook, and Keith Whitley. The album was a hit, still today considered one of his best records. Over the next few decades, Ralph continued touring extensively, broadening the awareness of music and culture from southwestern Virginia to a national audience. Ralph was invited to the White House to perform at President Jimmy Carter's inauguration. For his efforts in helping to preserve traditional Appalachian mountain music, Ralph was awarded an honorary doctorate degree in 1976 from Lincoln Memorial University in Harrogate, Tennessee, earning him the title of Dr. Ralph Stanley, a title that would follow him for the rest of his life. Throughout the 1980s and 1990s, Ralph received more recognition, including the traditional American Music Award from the United States National Endowment for the Humanities in 1985. And along with his brother Carter, the Stanley Brothers were officially inducted into the Bluegrass Hall of Fame in 1992. The following year, Ralph was a part of the Masters of Folk Banjo Tour, which featured banjo players from America, Ireland, and Ethiopia. During this tour, Ralph befriended Ethiopian banjo master Selesh Demesaye and became fascinated with his interpretation of the banjo. Ralph said he played a krar, which is a sort of ancient cousin of the banjo, as we know it over here. Selesh would fingerpick that krar lightning fast, and he'd sing in Aramaic, the language Jesus spoke in. Also in 1993, Ralph was nominated for a Grammy for the first time for Best Country Duet for the song Miner's Prayer, along with country singer Dwight Yoakam. Just before the millennium, Ralph was approached by legendary producer T-Bone Burnett, who was working on a soundtrack for a film entitled Oh Brother Where Art Thou? set in Great Depression-era Mississippi. As a traditional artist, Ralph found it very easy to work with T-Bone, saying, T-Bone is one of those musicians who lives and breathes music. He ain't like a lot of record producers, who are businessmen first and producers second. T-Bone was a musician first. T-Bone wanted to capture the essence of the Deep South during the Great Depression through the movie's soundtrack, and Ralph contributed an acapella version of O Death, a haunting traditional Appalachian ballad in which a man has a conversation with death.
1: death.
0: death. Initially, T-Bone wanted to recreate Doc Boggs' version with Ralph, which you're hearing now. But in the studio, Ralph decided that the banjo was a distraction and convinced T-Bone to let him record the song a cappella in the style of the primitive Baptist church that he was raised in.
1: Oh, death, won't you spare me over till another year?
0: Ralph's mournful, high-and-lonesome version of O oh Death was a hit, receiving a Grammy Award for Best Male Country Vocal Performance. The lead single, Man of Constant Sorrow, was recorded by Dan Taminski of Union Station in the style of the Stanley Brothers' original version. The film's soundtrack won a Grammy for Album of the Year in 2002, sparking a second big bang in old-time country and American roots music, nearly 80 years after the initial bang at the Bristol Sessions. The success of the film gave Ralph's career a massive boost, exposing him to a new generation of Roots music fans. The movie also inspired a tour in 2002 called Down from the Mountain, which showcased performances by Ralph, John Hartford who was also the host, Emmylou Harris, Alison Krauss, Gillian Welch and David Rawlings, Norman Blake, and Patty Loveless. According to Ralph, it was like the old tent revival shows that they used to have with Bill Monroe when he first started out back in the 30s. Only this time, we were playing in big auditoriums and arenas, for 25,000 people.
1: In 2003,
0: Ralph won another Grammy Award for Best Bluegrass Album for his record, Lost in the Lonesome Pines, alongside the Clinch Mountain Boys and singer-songwriter Jim Lauderdale. For most of his musical career, Ralph had watched the mainstream music industry from the outskirts, Content with playing his beloved mountain music to his loyal followers of the Stanley Sound. But in the last decades of his life, Ralph was navigating the waters of international stardom. In 2009, his autobiography, Man of Constant Sorrow My Life and Times, was released, in which he detailed his life's journey from growing up on a small farm in the mountains of Virginia during the Great Depression to becoming one of the most influential pioneers in bluegrass and old time country music. Not long after his memoir was published, Ralph was diagnosed with skin cancer. However, despite his ailment, Ralph maintained a consistent touring schedule even well into his 80s. Ralph was awarded a second honorary doctorate degree. This time from Yale University, to honor Ralph as the patriarch of traditional mountain music. In 2016, due to complications from his seven year battle with skin cancer, Ralph Stanley passed away peacefully at his home in Sandy Ridge in Dickinson County, Virginia, just down the mountain from where he and Carter grew up at the age of
1: 89. Remember that love for God can be found But now they're both gone This letter just told me For years they've been dead The fields have turned
0: brown Despite his distaste for musicians experimenting with bluegrass earlier in his career, Ralph did feel that there was an upside and grew thankful that the Appalachian hymns he sang in church had become popular with a wider audience. He said, I'm proud to have taken the old-time Baptist way of singing all around the world. I don't reckon they'd have ever believed that those hymns would be sung in these places, like Bonnaroo, in front of thousands of screaming kids. It makes me proud that they love the old Baptist hymns, done in the old way.
1: I was standing on The banks of the river Looking out over life's troubled sea When I saw that old ship a-sailing Is that the old ship of Zion I see?
0: In his career, spanning over 50 years, Ralph's impact has been seen in country music stars such as Dolly Parton, George Jones, Dwight Yoakam, Patti Loveless, and countless bluegrass musicians who have all cited Ralph as a major influence. In the coalfields of southwestern Virginia, the Ralph Stanley Museum is located in Clintwood, Virginia, just a few miles from Dr. Ralph Stanley Highway, which runs through his lifelong home of Dickinson County. In 2000, he was named a living legend by the Library of Congress and was awarded the National Medal of the Arts. In his memoir, Ralph said One of these days, it won't be long, the roots of bluegrass and old time music will be gone. The ones who paved the way will be gone, and I think it's going to hurt. I'd like to be remembered as a musician who stuck to his roots, no matter what.
1: Jesus, the captain, Shi people say a man is made out of mud A poor man's made out of muscle and blood Muscle and blood and skin and bones A mind that's weak and a back that's strong you loads
0: And that's all for episode 8 of season two covering the legendary Ralph Stanley. Big thanks to Ryan Eastridge for his excellent writing on that piece and for his work throughout the season. At the end of this season, we're going to be doing a fund drive of sorts for Season 3 so that people like Ryan and the other volunteers can be paid for their time, so stay tuned. Our final two episodes of Season 2 are coming soon. If you'd like to support this program, head to patreon.com slash americansongcatcher. If you want to help but you don't want to commit to monthly contributions, I totally get it. You can send a one time donation via Venmo or PayPal at American Songcatcher or click the link in the show notes. You can follow American Songcatcher on Instagram and TikTok at American Songcatcher. Huge thanks to the community on Patreon. This whole program is not possible without your support, so thank you so much. To Smithsonian Folkways for all their crucial work in preserving the legacy of these artists and these songs, the Library of Congress's complete National Recording Registry and Archive of Folk Song, Our intro song is Payday by Mississippi John Hurt from the Today album. Our outro song is 16 Tons, performed by Tennessee Ernie Ford, originally written by Merle Travis. This episode was produced, edited, recorded, and distributed by myself, Nicholas Edward Williams, with writing from Ryan Eastridge. And the words of Ralph Stanley, I don't listen to the radio too much, but I usually listen to the Stanley Brothers and Ralph Stanley more than I do anybody. Here's to the songs of old. May they live on forever. See you next time on American Song Catcher.
1: One fist of iron, the other of steel. If the right one don't get you, then the left one will. You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in depth. St. Peter, don't you call me, cause I can't go. I owe.